0: is real there's power in your name we find hope we trust in your ways we need real and Jesus is
1: real Elijah, who now we hear him as he's the man of God oh my friend listen I want your name to be there and it says either the man of God or the woman of God. That's the goal. That's what Jesus is doing. Not the really super successful, mean business person. Not the most amazing mom who makes the best sandwiches or whatever. Or the most amazing mom who works and does 97,000 things. Those things aren't bad, but you should say your name, the woman of God. Your name, the man of God.
0: What's your favorite title? Boss? Dad? Pastor? CEO? And what's your favorite accomplishment? Let's do what Pastor Daniel suggests in today's message. Let's wipe them all away. Clear the slate and write in something new. What's more important than all of that? It's to be a man of God or a woman of God. So right now, say your name out loud and then say man of God or woman of God. Repeat it to yourself until you believe it and live it. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Exodus chapter 15 as he continues his message. We need a healer. Exodus chapter 15, verse
1: 26. After the Lord made the bitter waters of Merah sweet, it says this, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. If you have a King James Bible, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the God who heals So my friend, if you need a healer today, and I believe we all do, that healer has a name, and his name is Jesus. And if you bring whatever needs healing, whether it's physical or emotional or social or financial or spiritual, whatever you bring to him, he is the great physician. Now don't get me wrong, he will not always heal you the way that you think. And the reason that is is because we aren't the great physician. And God's ideas and plans of healing are much bigger and deeper than just taking a Tylenol and losing a headache. There's bigger plans, but he is a healer just the same. Now, from there, look at what goes on. In verse 8, it says this, So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes that he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Verse 9, Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious, and he went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me, and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, and wave his hand over the place, and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana and the Parfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then, when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. Man, this is an awesome, awesome story, isn't it? Now imagine this. Naaman shows up. He's got leprosy. He's got tons of stuff for the king of Israel. The king of Israel thinks, oh, this is bad. He rips his clothes. I'm not God. I can't heal this guy of leprosy. I like all the gear, but it's like, I can't do this. And the king of Syria is picking a fight with me, so this isn't good, right? But then, of course, the inside man, Elisha, who now we hear him as he's the man of God. Oh, my friend, listen, I want your name to be there, and it says either the man of God or the woman of God. That's the goal. That's what Jesus is doing, not the really super successful mean business person, not the most amazing mom who makes the best sandwiches or whatever, or the most amazing mom who works and does 97,000 things. And those things aren't bad, but you should say your name, the woman of God. Your name, the man of God. And all those other things, those details of your life, which are important, go way down the road. Try it on for size. Say to yourself your name and the man or woman of God. Go ahead, try it on. Don't be scared. I'm hoping you're speaking prophetically to yourself. Go ahead, put your name in there. Daniel, the man of God. That's kind of terrifying, isn't it? That's who you are in Jesus. That's who you are in Christ. Get used to that. That's who you are. The put your name in, the not really so great person of God. That's not who you are. That's who you used to be. That's who Jesus saved you from. That's who he's transforming you from. People want to say, oh, the name, the ex name, the ex-this, the ex-that. No, no, no. You're the man or woman of God, my friend. That's who Jesus says you are. So He says you are. But oftentimes we don't believe it really. We kind of believe it. We, nah. Yeah. And thus and thus. When Elijah hears about this, he sends a messenger. I love this. Elijah's so much fun. He heard that the king of Israel tore his clothes and he sends to the king, why have you torn your clothes? Do you think that was on like the morning news? King Jehoram tears his clothes because he can't hear leopards. It wasn't, the internet wasn't there. It was like on Twitter. Someone takes a quick picture of the king ranting like Kanye or something. <laughs> it's like, but Elisha's an inside man. He knows what's going on. He's like, what? I love Elisha. He's like, what are you doing? Send the guy to me that they will know that there's a prophet in Israel. And you gotta love this, because you know at that point, the king was like, amen, you know? Sends him right over there. So Naaman goes, in verse nine, with his horse and with his chariot, and he stood at the door of Elijah's house, and I love Elijah, because in verse 10, Elijah sent a messenger to him, saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Okay? Go wash in the Jordan River seven times. Simple enough, right? But notice Naaman. Naaman became furious. And he went away. And said, indeed. I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call the name of his Lord. And wave his hand over me. And you see Naaman's expectations here, right? He expects the prophet to come out. He expects the prophet to honor him as a great commander. Elijah just sends out a messenger. He expects some big thing. We're going to do this hand-waving thing and i got my whole little healing thing. And he's, Naaman's mad. He's mad. And then he says, Are not the Abanah and the Parfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters in Israel? He's like, man, all rivers in Damascus are better than the Jordan. Who does this prophet think he is? Now this is important though. Brothers and sisters, Don't be like Naaman. Don't overcomplicate things. He wanted to get healed. He went to the prophet of God. The prophet of God says, in order to be healed, you need to dip in the Jordan River seven times. And it's simple. And he doesn't want it simple. He has expectations. He's like, this is what it's going to be. And he's going to honor me. And he's going to do the hand-wavy healing thing. And it's all going to go great. And he's like, and our rivers are even better. Because... Who wants to swim in the Jordan? And he's mad. But brothers and sisters, listen. As he's leaving in a huff, all mad, one of his servants comes to him in verse 13 and says, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says, wash and be cleaned? One of his servants comes and reasons with him. Like, look, if he told you to do something hard or important, you would have done it. He's like, he asked you to do something simple, so just go do it. And sure enough, he goes to the Jordan River, he dips in it seven times. And in verse 14, his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Do you know how many times I'll meet somebody and they'll start sharing about their life? And they'll share all the struggles and all the hurts and all the things. And I always say, Well, you know, that's why you need to believe in Jesus, because he died on a cross for your sins. For your healing. He rose again. He conquered sin and death. And they always say, Oh, I mean, it can't be that easy. Are you overcomplicating the things that God has made simple? He doesn't want it to be complicated. See, faith in Jesus is so simple a kid can get it, but when you get older, it's so simple that adults can't get it sometimes. Not because it's not simple enough, but because we're kind of like Naaman. I want something special. I want to be honored. I don't want to be told I need to believe in someone who died because of my sins. I want to go and I want to sit like a pretzel and try and empty out my mind. And I want to go to all these retreats and go to see these people all over the place. And I want them to do this special hand thing, you know, (laughs) thing. And then I'll get what I want. And our culture runs everywhere to find a new guru when all you need to do is put your faith and trust in Jesus. That's all you need to do. And I could talk, because I did that stuff. I get it, because I did it. I tried all that stuff, because I realized I wasn't quite sure I liked who I was, and I wasn't quite sure I knew where I was going, and I had issues, but I didn't really want to see them, and I wanted to cover them, I didn't want to know I had issues, but everybody who knew me knew I had issues. I think I told you this before, when I came to know Jesus, One of my friends who was a Christian, the first book he gave me after he gave me a Bible was the book Humility by Andrew Murray. (laughs) I remember he gave me his book. He's like, you got to read this book. And I'm just like, welcome to the family of God, you know. But it wasn't news to me that I was puffed up and selfish and proud. I knew that, but I didn't want to say it. But the healing for pride is the cross of Jesus Christ and the healing for addiction is the cross of Jesus Christ and the healing for whatever happened in your past is the cross of Jesus Christ and the healing for everything that ails the world is the cross of Jesus Christ because at the cross of Jesus Christ you realize that true love gives of itself self-sacrificially so that others may have life. But we want to overcomplicate it, don't we? I want to overcomplicate it and so do you. Don't overcomplicate it. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. The Apostle Paul says this, But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. Oh. Are you overcomplicating things today? Don't make the same mistake of naming. He almost missed God's healing because he wanted to overcomplicate the thing. He's all the reasons why, and none of the reasons made any sense. And a little servant said to him, listen, if he told you to do something hard, you would to do it. Just go do it. It takes five seconds. Dip in seven times. If nothing happens, no harm, no foul. But he goes on in, and he comes out totally cleansed, totally healed. Now, in verse 15, look at what happens. And he returned to the man of God... He and all of his aides, and he said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. He said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. And so Naaman said, Then if not, please let your servant be given two mule loads of earth, for your servant will no longer offer either burnt offering or sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord only. Yet in this thing, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes into the temple of Ramon to worship there and he leans on my hand, and I bow down in the temple of Ramon, when I bow down in the temple of Ramon, may the Lord please pardon your servant in this thing. Then he said to him, go in peace. And so he departed from him. Now after this miraculous healing, Naaman wants to offer some protocol to the prophet. He wants to go and give him gifts. That was the way things worked. And so everybody shows up to Elisha. Everybody's there. And now Naaman, because of the healing he received, is testifying, sharing his testimony of his newfound faith and trust in the God of Israel. There is no God in all the earth except in Israel. And he says, so please, let me give you a gift. And I love it because Elias just says, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. But he urged him to take, but he refused. My friends, this is so important. In healing, you give all the glory to God. give all the glory to God. The glory is the Lord's. Elisha wasn't the healer. The Lord is the healer. Elisha just had the, this is God's prescription for you. And that's important. It's important. All the glory is the Lord's. Give the glory to God. This reminds me of one of my favorite verses, a life verse for me, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do all for God's name and God's fame, not for selfish ambition. He wants to bless Elisha as if Elisha did it. And Elisha's like, no, 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 no. As the Lord lives before whom I stand. See, Elisha gets his own life. He's an inside man. He realized, I stand before the Lord. The Lord is alive. He is real, and I stand before him. I can't take anything. I did nothing because the Lord did it. Lord did he. all the glory was given to the Lord. Naaman couldn't give this guy something if he tried. But then Naaman, he's new in the faith. He doesn't understand a lot of stuff. So he starts asking questions. He says in verse 17, "Let your servant be given two mule loads of earth for your servant will no longer offer either burnt offerings or sacrifices to other gods." to the Lord. That's interesting, because really what he's saying, is like, can I take some of the ground from here? See, he's new in Christ, and his old superstitions are still there. He was concerned that I'm going to go back to Syria, and there's going to be other gods, and at least if I'm going to worship, I want to worship on the ground that God is blessed. Now listen, I think this is important, because I think we forget sometimes that when someone says yes to Jesus, a lot of the old thinking still exists until God works it out of us. People are in process, that's what we always say, right? And I think as a church family, something God's really been doing, which is really beautiful, is we're giving people the room to not have all the answers. Because if everybody in a church has all been Christians for, you know, 20 years, then everybody should have it all together. But we're not that church. We have a church of 40 years of history, and some of you have been walking with Jesus long before you got to Crossroads 40 years ago, and some of you are gonna say yes to Jesus today. And there's a process in thinking See, Naaman is a new believer, but he doesn't understand all. He doesn't even know what he doesn't know. So he's like, Can I take some of the earth from here back so that when I'm worshiping, you know, like I only want to worship God, but I want to worship on the ground of Israel? It's superstitious, it's immature. But what's interesting is Elisha doesn't say no either. Fascinating. He doesn't say no. He's not going to die on that hill because Elisha knows that hill doesn't mean anything. You can worship God anywhere. It doesn't matter what ground you stand on. But I think for some of us as older believers, you're dying on hills that Jesus didn't die on. You're dying on hills because you have preferences. We've got to learn from Elisha to know which fights we should be fighting and which ones we should just let go because it doesn't mean a thing. That's an important word. Because it's so easy to get all worked up about something that means diddly, squat, and thus and thus. Doesn't mean anything. But we get all, it gets big in our head. And normally it gets big in our head because it was big in someone else's head and they gave us their head trip. Which there ain't nothing worse than that, right? Sharing that insanity. So if, listen, if you're here right now and God's speaking to you about that, I thought I was supposed to just make sure through that out there. Just say, Lord, I don't want. I want to make sure that the hills that I'm going to die on are hills that deserve dying. And the other things, I got to give people room to be in process. See, Naaman didn't at that moment need a lecture on all these things. He's brand new. He's testifying, and he doesn't know what he doesn't know. And it's not time to give him the theology lesson on how these things work. And here's the Bible, and here. Let me come here. Pop, pop, pop. Okay, you got it. And that's what happens sometimes. People come to know Jesus, and then before you know it, a well-intended follower of Jesus is banging them over the head with the Bible about something that they don't need their head banged over. They said yes to Jesus. He's doing a work. Being prepared and grown up takes time. Am I the only one who God's still working on after all these years? Yeah, all of us, right? Amen. So we got to be careful. And then it's amazing, because And this is even almost more like, whoa. Notice what he also says in verse 18. He says, Yet in this thing, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes into the temple of Ramon to worship there, and he leans on my hand, and I bow down in the temple of Ramon. When I bow down in the temple of Ramon, may the Lord please pardon your servant for this thing. You see what he's saying? He's saying, look, my boss, the king of Syria, is going to invite me into the temple, and he's going to lean on my hand, and like, will the Lord forgive me for having to do that so that the king doesn't just kill me? That's what he's asking. And notice what Elisha says. Verse 19, go in peace. Whoa. Do you know why? Elisha's making name in an inside man too. Now, I'm not saying that this should be the proof text to do whatever you want to do and be undercover for Jesus. Okay, so I need to qualify that. But God saved Naaman, and Naaman is going back to his old job in Syria. And now, Elisha's like, listen, God realizes the circumstances you're in. And God also knows that you don't believe in Nimon Ramon, at all. But it, you have to be in there, God's got you. Go in peace. Now, you think the story would end? This would be a fabulous story, but... We have one more little section, so look at what it says in verse 20 as I close this out. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Look, my master has spared in the Syrian, while not receiving from his hands what he brought. But as the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. So Gehazi pursued Naaman, and when Naaman saw him running after him, he got down from his chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master has sent me, saying, Indeed, just now two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the mountains of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of garments. And so Naaman said, Please take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of garments, and handed them to two of his servants, and they carried them on ahead of him. When he came to the citadel, he took them from their hand and stored them away in his house. Then he let the men go, and they departed. Now he went in and stood before his master. Elijah said to him, Where did you go, Gehazi? And he said, Your servant did not go anywhere. And he said to him, did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Is it time to receive money and to receive clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male and female servants? Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. And he went out from his presence, leprous, as white as snow. Can I be honest with you? I and hate the ending of the story. Because it was such a good, it was a powerful testimony. And if it would have ended right there, it would have been an awesome happening. But then, of course, Elisha's servant, Gehazi, makes a big mistake. What does it teach us, my friends? It teaches us that greed deceives.
0: Jesus is... Jesus is the healer. Whatever you bring to him, he is the great physician. God's ideas of healing are even bigger and deeper than you think. Today, Pastor Daniel showed us through the life of Naaman that while we like to overcomplicate things, God keeps it simple. Salvation is simple enough for a child to understand. But as adults, we often try to make it more complicated. Like Naaman, we want it our way. But God has other plans.
1: Hey everyone, there's a lot happening in the world and it can keep you pretty busy. But I want to encourage you to take some time and devote it to your spiritual growth. I know God wants to do something in your life and I'm excited for you to discover exactly what that is. Come join me for a worship service at Crossroads Community Church Online so I can share the Bible with you. Join me online at crossroadschurch.net or find me on Facebook Live.
0: Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share the gravity of the battle we find ourselves in. There are battles raging around us on so many levels. These battles are found in families, politics, the economy, and actual wars. But there's a bigger battle raging behind all the others, and it's one that we can't see. If you're fighting people, you're fighting the wrong battle. Come back next time to find out what the real war is. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Inside Man. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.